Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Talking about a paradigm shift in our thinking, in our understandings, in what God is bringing to us through new covenant life and what that means. To actually live in new covenant life and the way God designed it and what he promised in our relationship to God, in our understanding of the new covenant, in our worship, and especially in our trust and how those were connected. I have been on a just the most fun, incredible journey of, of going back and reinvestigating. Because I've lived my whole life to worship God. I imagine many, many of you have, after I get saved. And, uh, and understanding that, and I have been both told, I've had prescriptions on how to be a good worshiper. I've had teachings. I've had this. I've had that. I've had the everything, probably like many of you, I've had everything from the demand that you must worship God to the, oh boy, you're in trouble if you don't, to the, you have the freedom to do uh, all these different things. And I, I've, uh, the Lord's always had taken great joy in just messing with me. He's just really, he has just really liked doing that. And if you really think that would be fun, I ask you to pray a very dangerous prayer. Lord, mess me up real good. Just mess with me. Just come and bring a revelation of you. Mess with my thinking of the way I'm always set and how I think it should be. God, I just give you permission to just interrupt, disrupt, and just blow my socks off. And see what happens. You know, I, ca- I came from this very stoic upbringing. Maybe some of you did, but I, I, I lived in a, uh, I'm only second generation of Americans, so we were bilingual in my home, and my parents were old-fashioned, poor German immigrants. So my grandparents all came over on the boat, and... So I thought it was really, I thought it was really weird, you know, how they did things and the meals that we had and the, you know, and listening to aunts and uncles speak Plattdeutsch. They didn't even speak real German. You know, they spoke this dialect that was a mixture of Dutch and a few English words thrown in there and, uh, and all that stuff. And it was always, it was just so, uh, really strange in the stoicism that was there. I could never I could never correlate the fact that all these German men that I were, were was around they were never affectionate until I got drunk at the tavern. You know, like affection was from the men was a pat on the shoulder. Maybe you grew up that way too. I don't know, you know, or, or is it hmm. You get a hmm instead of an attaboy. Hmm. Well, at least you didn't get yelled at, you know. And, uh, and those kind of things. And then they get in the tavern, you know, hello, Johnny. And it was all, they were all just, uh, and before they were drunk. It didn't take beer to do that, you know. It was, it was just really strange. I can still hear the spring of the Janesville Tavern door open. <laughs> You'll squeak and then it would swing shut. And 
because it was on one of those old strong. And when you did that, all these farmers that were sitting at the bar would go to see who you were. Those are just embedded images. So my idea of being wild and free was very limited outside of a bar. Did you have that? Like, like even at a sporting event, like, hooray. You know, you just didn't show emotions like that, you know. Woohoo, I think. You know, and, and you didn't embarrass yourself or anything. And then God came and just messed up my life. Oh, I can remember getting saved and then going to a charismatic church. I didn't even know what that was. You see, and I walked in, and here were not just women who are prone to emotionality, is what I was taught, but here's men with their, with their hands lifted up. And I went, what? You know, and singing, men singing. Just messed me up. Just messed me up. And God kept doing it. So I can remember the first time He invited me in worship to raise my hands. Do you guys remember that? We're so used to it now. I'm telling you, in the in the Jesus movement in the 70s, that was like you were wild and crazy without being Steve Martin. You were just a wild and crazy guy. And I can remember the Lord inviting me to lift my hands. I had to do it. He invited me to do it because he was messing with me. And I can remember it felt like rusty. I felt like the tin man. And then peeking open one eye to see if other people were looking at you. Yeah, everybody does that in worship. We don't do something because we think somebody might be watching us. You know what? Everybody else in the audience is thinking that. So they're not watching you. They're worried about other people watching them. So just lift your air. Oh, and when he asked me to dance. Nobody at our little church in Phoenix danced. And I can remember that he invited me to dance with him. I was like, no, Lord, don't do that with me, please. Please, oh God. And he said, you've heard it said, when the spirit comes on you, you'll dance. And he said, I'm telling you, you dance because who you are. And I went... Oh, just dance. Dance for me. So I, you know, <laughs> trying to figure out if it was a song that I could dance to, you know. And it's like, I need a couple of shots of whiskey, I think, <laughs> to get it going. The Lord said, no, you don't. You just need me. Just reach and then you started doing that little, you know, the old Pentecostal two-step. You know, but he said, no, 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 dance. And I can remember at that chair, I got to put the mic. (laughs) And all the youth looking at me going. (laughs) But you know what? It freed my heart. God started messing with me. Let God mess with you. Take all that you think of how it ought to be and hold it gently and carefully and open. And when he asks you to do something, just step in trust and go, yeah, do that. Yeah, I'll do that. Maybe I'll ask you to go get a gold dollar and give it to somebody in a store. 
and prophesy to him without ever saying, in the name of Jesus. And if you want to come to salvation, but just give it to him and say, hey, God has an incredible plan for your future. And he just highlighted you to me. And I, I just want you to have this. Or better yet, pay for their groceries behind you. Do something absolutely mind-boggling. Just listen. Because isn't that what worship is? And that everything within us, all that is within me is designed to bless the Lord. So he's messing with my paradigms of what worship should look like, how it should look, where it should go, uh, all manner. And he's done that with the church throughout the ages. Do you realize, do you realize... That when they started bringing the organ into churches, the traditionalists freaked out. When organs were developed, the pipe organs, now most of us think that's religious, but in the day that they brought them into church, the traditionalists who sang without instruments were offended that they would dare to bring an instrument into the house of God. (sighs) All these things of what we hang on to, what it's designed, when God wants to free our heart in worship, it's an expression of us as his creation. Well, the Lord's been challenging me to draw near in worship, my heart singing, my voice singing, and to make it known, to be unashamed about it. I don't know. I guess if he asked me to sing in the middle of Price Chopper, maybe I will. Lord. (laughs) So I've been practicing melodies in lots of different ways. I've been singing to my goldfish. I, I know, it's going to make sense. I've been singing blessings over my goldfish that are in my pond. Because they're just these little jewels, and I just kept seeing them as jewels that are darting through the water. And I've been singing to them how much they have been created by God and how he designed them to do just what they did and how beautiful they are. Wasps, not so much. You know, little devil. He came after me this week. So I've been doing this. He's whispered some things to me that I want you to hear in my heart this morning. I want, I want you to really hear this because it actually has to do with who we are as new covenant believers and the blessings of the new covenant. As I began to practice melodies in my heart about the paradigm shift and singing songs that I really believed about and singing about how much God believed in me. Try that one. Singing a song that you hear about what God believes about you. Oh, now that'll disrupt your day. I was doing that and he whispered something to me and I was doing it here last Sunday morning, and he whispered it to me. He said, I could recount the Ten Commandments more easily than I could the blessings and truth of the New Covenant. I went, oh. 
It wasn't a rebuke. He was just making a statement to me. And he invited me into something. He's, he's spoken more to me about it this week. He said, my praise would develop and transition and my paradigm for worship would take on a different form as my focus of what I had from him did. And that the fears that I had about facing future, different things, the, the church, the church body, and what's going on in the body of Christ and things that I don't know if I'll ever you know, sometimes, do you see yourself this way? Sometimes you feel so called that you're going to do something. And then there's other times you feel like a peewee. And you go, me? And I started thinking about it, meditating on it, about it all week and different whispers. And I came back to this. I went, what really then, if we're, we're going to be New Testament, New Covenant worshipers, what does that look like? What, is that, what does that feel like? How, where's the paradigm shift? And he started speaking to me about trusting him. And then he said, when you start being grateful, your trust builds. He said, if you would like to know what the foundation of worship is, he said, enter into gratefulness for what I've done. And I went, oh, you know, it was one of those, oh, do you get those oh moments? Three of you get those. I get, oh, you know, it's like, oh, this, this is going to like, this is going to mess with me. I'm going to dance in church again. I get, this is going to be one of those times where it really messes with me. So I want you to hear this prophetic psalm this morning. And then I want us in gratefulness to look at the benefits that God, not will, has given us in the new covenant. And if you can remain ungrateful, even after looking at three of them, maybe some of them won't mean anything to you, but if you can remain ungrateful, I will be shocked. Absolutely shocked. If you can receive them, I'll believe that you will be shocked. Holy, shocking saints. Just shocking. Just firebrands. Just incredible. that can't wipe the smile off our faces. That can't go, yeah, but you don't. Uh. And in the midst of the worst times, we still have a smile. Somebody asked me this morning how I was doing. I said, incredible. I read the book. I win. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Listen to this prophetic song. You all know it well. We write songs to it. We sang a song to it. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. How many is all? Who heals all your diseases. How many again? Who redeems your life, personal possessive pronoun, your life from destruction. He did that for me this week. 
When that wasp came after me, I, you thought I was just joking. I had a wasp come after me mowing and, and ended up putting the mower, the tractor, front first into a six-foot drop-off ditch. Almost scared the heaven out of me. But he spared my life from destruction, threw me forward out onto the road, and I got up expecting to look all cut up and bruised, and shoulder was a little sore, but I lived. He saved my life from destruction. Scared me. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Just think about it. Amen. Just think about it. When you get ready to walk into work tomorrow morning, and you understand, now what does a crown mean? If you've been crowned, what does that make you? Royalty. You are royalty walking into work. And he has crowned you with his loving kindness. Uh, Another translation of that is mercy. been crowned with, you wear it as a crown, oh merciful God. Isn't it incredible? Absolutely, it's stunning. How can my heart not sing? Tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now that means something more to some of us than it does the others. But But you know what? Even a young heart feels beat up and old when it can't see a future. But he restores it. I read these two quotes as I was looking at all this. They're both from Sam Storms. He says, worship begins with deep and inspiring and exalted thoughts about who God is. It's not a demand of love. Worship begins with your high and lofty thoughts about who God is to you. With biblically accurate truths about God. That's why it's so important to look at new covenant benefits. Because they are the truth for your life. Anything that passes itself off as worship that is not based on the biblical revelation of what God is truly like is nothing less than idolatry. One, I love this one. This is Sam also. Singing (laughs) enables the soul to express deeply felt emotions that mere speaking cannot. See, words become creative when they move from speaking to singing. That's where we got the idea of chant. That's why the Hebrews of old practice and why they, when they call their family around the table to come to worship, it moves from speaking to singing. That very act. That very act, it moves into the expression. Of who God is. Now, oh, but you haven't heard my voice. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. It's that, it's that 
Just open up the Psalms sometime and move it from you speaking out loud and singing it. See what happens in your heart. See what this, this paradigm shift of seeing how grateful you are to God. How can your heart not sing? Singing evokes an intensity of mind and spirit. It opens the door to ideas, to feelings and affections that otherwise might have remained forever imprisoned in the depths of one's heart. Singing gives focus and clarity to what words alone often only make fuzzy. It lifts our hearts to new heights. (laughs) And it stirs hope to unprecedented levels of expectancy and delight. Isn't it just luscious the way he writes that? It should have been sung. It softens the soul to hear God's voice and quickens the will to obey. Oh, the next time you're in temptation, by the way, temptation is not sin. Sin is sin. Temptation is that which tries to draw you into that. Next time you get tempted, just with anything, just from the world, anything, and you feel like, oh, that doesn't feel right, start singing. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. Start singing, see what happens. That temptation, please, it goes away. Can't stand the worship of God. And your own soul starts rejoicing. It's amazing what, what, what it does to start recounting in gratitude what God has done. Oh, it's just absolutely stunning. Here's what's really important. When you start singing in gratitude what God has done, you'll see more of God, what God is going to do. Is that making sense? When you acknowledge who he is in your life and what he has done, you will see more of what he's going to do. I hope you can hear that. It it opens our soul. So I want to look at benefits of new covenant life. What that means to us. So we got a first one. I want you to see these slides. You may want to write these down. So this is what I started doing. First of all, the first night after last Sunday night, I started. I said, "Wait a minute, Lord. Let's have a talk." I do too know lots of benefits, and I think that I want to know them better than I knew the Ten Commandments. I, I, I want to. I want to start telling them to you. So now, there's way more than what I'm going to list this morning, and these are in no particular order. But look at this. The, the, the best thing about new covenant life is the first thing is, is it's new. The best benefit, of it, it's, it's a better covenant. That's from Hebrews. It says, look, the old covenant, he literally says this, because everybody, you know, and I, the law of the Lord's perfect, but the covenant, the flesh couldn't keep the law. It was impossible. The law will always measure how far away you are from God. Grace measures how close you are. If you use the law as a covenant, it will always tell you, no, didn't make it today. Nope, you're one. Mm -mm." Here's what God did in the new covenant. He went, right here. 
and I'll be in you. Shows us how close we are. So Hebrews says it's, it's, it's obsolete. And this is the glory of what the new covenant. It is based on you believing it. And when you believe it, you receive it. There's, there's no rules. There's no process. There's no equation. There's no step. I believe, God, that you were raised from the dead, that you went to a cross. You were raised from the dead on my behalf. And I receive that right now. Boom. You're in new covenant. And with that, that's Ephesians. You can look that up. We all know very well. Look at this in Ephesians 1. Every spiritual blessing because of the new covenant of grace is yours. How much? When you start, you can't remain ungrateful. Every spiritual blessing, every spiritual... Now, we just said some of them from Psalm 103. When you start recounting them, and you start saying, I have received this spiritual blessing from the Lord. So we're going to go through some. Let's see the next slide. New covenant benefit number two. It is a covenant of rest. What, is, what does that mean for us? The labor of it is believing, not of works, to give you a, a I should say, a, in a right standing with God. That's Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It's been given to you. The rest means you don't have to do anything to earn it. But here's what's really strange. Hebrews, in chapter 4, says that we're to strive to enter it. Now, does that mean I work to enter it? It means right here. There's a a striving in the mind that says, surely there's something I must do to get this. He says, oh, it is. Believe me. Believe me. Here's the works that he gave the believers to do. To do what? To believe on the one who was sent. To believe, it's, a, it's such a benefit that I was designed through all of my days to rest in God. Now that rest means it is accomplished. There's nothing you can do or change about it. There's nothing you have to add to it. There's nothing that you have to subtract. It's given yours as a gift. So here's what I have to say to you this morning. Relax. <laughs> Relax. Tell him you're relaxed in his presence. It's a question that goes with it, just to get you to think, not to accuse. Are you relaxed in God's presence? Are you comfortable? He's like, oh. Yeah. Are you comfortable when you're driving down the road? Are you comfortable when you lay your head down at night? Are you comfortable when you're eating a meal? Are you relaxed? Are you trying to make something happen with God? If you're, tr- if you're striving to get him to pay attention to you, you're not relaxing. It's, a, it's just a, it's relaxing. I don't have to make anything happen. Here's what it does. Worry goes... And you know what happens to your worship? 
He's already established the way for you to go. Relax. Relax. (sighs) Sigh in the spirit and see what happens. Look at number three. This is maybe one of the best ones at all because things that don't make us relax are usually something we did. God forgives all I'm gonna I'm gonna point the finger at this. All of your sin. You're forgiven. Yeah, but you're forgiven. Our sins aren't merely covered by the blood. I, 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 do you use that old language myself over and over and over again? They are paid for and taken away by the Lamb of God. Do you remember what John said to Jesus when he saw him coming out of the wilderness? Behold the Lamb of God who, he didn't say covers the sins of the world. He said, this one's coming, this is what's different. This one's coming and he's going to remove it. Do you believe your sin is removed? You'll start being very thankful That means death has been removed. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about eternal death has been removed out of your life. Because the wages of sin is, that's been removed. You can get really grateful and get really alive. At the cross, justice was satisfied. His forgiveness is perfectly complete. It says he died once for all. Our sins in being forgiven, this is what's incredible. This is so hard because we are finite and we haven't lived all of our sin yet. Do you know what I mean? You you haven't lived through all of the stupid things that you're going to do. That are going to try and shame your identity, steal from you, disrupt your life and make a mess of it. And you going, no, I can't rest. All of that, those were taken away and will never be remembered. It's stunning. You've got to read Hebrews 8, 10 through 12. Hebrews 9, 26 through 8. Hebrews 10, verse 17. He says this, A new covenant I will make, who can I pick on now? And I will remember their sins no more. I will, I will cast it away. Stunning. How can our hearts not sing? How can I not begin to rejoice In God my maker to know that I am complete. Now start singing that when you're alone. Yes, it's one thing to say, you are holy, O God. Try this little song. I am holy. I am righteous. I am complete. For he rescued me. Oh, it's... When you start singing new covenant benefits, a paradigm shift begins to happen in your heart. You will see yourself as a new creation and walk in that new identity. You will sing it into your being. And when that happens and when you believe what God has done over your sin, guess what? The power of sin goes, gone. For we've been freed from 
the law of sin and death. You don't have to, you don't have to submit to it anymore. It's done. Wiped out, taken away. I don't like you guys. Do you know what benefit that is? Maybe you didn't sin as much as I did. Let's measure our sin. Well, he was forgiven much. Oh, man. I love the Lord. I don't know about you. Does that give you an idea where I was at? I love Jesus. There is no doubt in my mind. I loved him yesterday. I loved him today. I'm going to love him tomorrow because he took it all away. He took every bit of it. He took it away before I knew him. I just hadn't walked in it yet. Let's go to benefit number four. Here's the result of him taking it away. God is no longer angry, I'm going to change it, with you. God's not mad at you this morning. God is not angry with you. And he will not punish you. When you entered from death into life, this is what it says. You can write down those scriptures. You are not appointed for wrath. It doesn't have any place for your future. You are not appointed for wrath. It's secure. It's done. It's complete. Is there a day that I will stand before him? Yes, praise God. Yes, you will stand before him. To give an account for all the stuff you did wrong. You forgot the third benefit. It's, that's gone. Here's the benefit you, you will proclaim. You put a new life in me. You came and planted an incorruptible seed. You put Jesus into me. We were knit together and tied together. And you are not mad at me. But the thing you can say about not just mad, you are not disappointed in me. You're not discouraging me. You're not saying to the angels, what am I going to do with that knucklehead Lloyd? When is he ever going to get it right? You know what he says over Lloyd? The same thing he says over Jesus. Lloyd is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Sing that one tomorrow. Put your name in there. You'll get a song and a dance. It will change your heart. It'll change the way you go to Price Chopper. It'll change when that grouchy lady says the bad stuff to you and throws your money at you and doesn't even count it. There's your change. See, that's my my ministry. I like going to those places. I'm mad. Oh, really? I know something that can free you from madness. Freed me. Here's the glorious good news with that. See, the reason our hearts can rejoice is that covenant that God will not be angry with you and punish you Now, this does not mean that God doesn't discipline his children. Yes, he will instruct you. 
He will instruct you. But if you believe that that's based on anger and wrath, you have misunderstood the new covenant. I want the Lord. Am I, if I'm thinking wrong thoughts, I want the Lord to go, Lloyd, no, that's completely off. If I act on him, I want him to stop me before I say something so corruptive coming out of my mouth that I hurt the hearer. I want him to say, Lloyd, shut up. Don't. Just keep your mouth shut. You've learned to bear a few things. Bear one more thing. Because if you keep your mouth shut, you'll see me do stuff. So shut up. I want him to discipline me that way. I don't know about you. I want him to watch care over me. I want him there beside me to say, no, don't do that. Don't say that. You know that's not, this is how, what he says it to me most of the time now. That's not who you are. Because he knows who I truly am. Him and me. Me and him. And so when he sees that, he goes, not you. I hear that a lot. Do you guys hear that a lot? Not you. That can lead you to worship. Oh, that's, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. Here's the glorious good news with it, though. Even if you don't, you open your mouth and blow it. It doesn't break the covenant. What? Now think what Sam said in that quote. That you have to, if your worship aligns with that which is true about God, if you doing something wrong tomorrow was large enough to break the covenant that Jesus made with his father over your life, that makes you more powerful than God. Is that true? It's not true. So then I have to realize, this covenant cannot be broken. Now here's what most people think, oh, Dad, go do whatever you want. You know what? It changes the whatever you want. I have a new nation. It changes the whatever I want. Can I go out and sin tomorrow? Why? If I'm asking that question, that, that means my heart's not grateful into the covenant that he brought. Can, if you're still measuring your sin, that means you're still sin conscious. Can I get away with this? Uh, I know this is wrong, but if I didn't, well, it's just a decimal point. Just move the zero. <laughs> just, the, they'll never know. If you're, doing, if you're doing that wrestling, you forgot it's a covenant that can't be broken. It's not who you are. It's not an issue of what you do or don't do. It's not who I am. I walk in who God is. God walks in who I am. If you can receive it. And it can't get broken. If that doesn't free your heart to live righteous and holy, nothing will. No no statement about any command will work better than that. It's an impossibility. That will free your heart to live in God. Okay, one more and then we'll stop. We're not going to get through all of them. Next week, Rich is coming. You like this? This is straight from God. So, new covenant benefit number five. Go. Lost the power. 
Am I supposed to stop there? That's three. Maybe we didn't get that one yet. Oh. Listen, if you walk out of here with nothing this morning, this is the new covenant that God has given you. His peace. He was called the Prince of Peace. Every bit of warfare that happened against him was designed for your peace. The very name of God is peace. He said in John 14, My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. And it's personal possessive again. It's his peace. How much peace does God have? My peace I give into you. It's the God of peace. He is shalom. He's not speaking shalom. He is God of peace. He says, here's the best one. You should memorize this one if you're a new covenant believer. Instead of memorizing all the old covenant stuff, and I'm not speaking against it, but you ought to memorize Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. You will never have to wrestle with God again over your position, over who you are, over your standard of living, over the kind of person you are, over what you have done. You have peace with God. Nothing can take it away. Nothing can steal it. Nothing can drive it out. The enemy can't make it stop. There's other ones on there, but I tell you what, if you just memorize Romans 5.1... I, I, I learned, I've heard this so many times throughout the years, and I used it myself. And people say, when they were sitting, they'd go, well, I'm wrestling with God. No, you're not. You might be wrestling with yourself, but you're not wrestling with God. And if you are, give up. Let him pin you. Let him win. Let him have his salvation in you. Let him put his peace in you. I'm not wrestling with God. I'm not at war with God. I'm not his enemy anymore. While I was his enemy, he died for me. So what Romans says, while we were yet enemies, he wasn't ever our enemy. We made ourselves his enemy. He says, while you did that, I died for you. Is this not, doesn't you don't in your heart want to sing? Peace with God. I don't, I don't have to renegotiate. Well, I wasn't very good at killing my flesh yesterday, God, so are we okay today? I have peace with God. If you're running to God to get forgiven, you don't understand new covenant life. You don't go to God to get forgiven. You go to God because you are forgiven. It's already been given to you. You go there and re-embrace the benefit. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. How can my heart not sing? Come on and stand with me.